So instead of attracting more and more and more users, studios start to think about how actually can we better monetize our current audience, our loyal audiences, and how we better retain those users that we are attracting. And this is where LiveOps comes in. Welcome to Aptica Docs Podcast. In each episode, we discuss hot topics of mobile app market with renowned experts. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Aptica Docs Podcast. Today, I'm happy to have with me Pavel Ignata, founder of Balance, and Yulia Ilyuk, head of growth at Balance. And for those of you who are not, who are not familiar with the company, Balance specializes in live ops. And in fact, I've been learning to explore this subject as there are many conversations and arguments around that. And uh, finally, we've got great experts with extensive experience to shed light on this topic and to share valuable insights with us today. So I'm pretty excited about our conversation. Uh, welcome, Julia. Welcome, Pavel. Thank you for being with us. How are you today? Hello. Hi, Ksusha. First of all, thank you for inviting us. It's a pleasure. I'm also excited about this conversation, just like you. Okay, great. So before we start, uh, let's uh, put focus on the company itself. And I guess that's the question more to Pavel. Uh, so where did you get this idea to found the company? Why uh, did you decide to run to run it? How did it all start? Uh, thank you. Uh, actually, uh, the history of Balance started uh, many years ago. I'm a myself passionate game developer. Since childhood, I wanted to make video games and push gaming industry forward. And uh, I started my first uh, company in 2014. It was the Unihog uh, company. We were making mobile games. We got funded by Y Combinator and we were part of the batch uh, winter 2016. Uh, we were making mobile version of League of Legends, I would say. It's a very complicated game, you can imagine. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, a lot of games were released along with ours, like Vainglory, Fates Forever, Mobile Legends. So the competition was extremely hard. And the interesting fact that uh, after we operated the game for a couple of years, after we got more than 10 million downloads, uh, unfortunately, uh, we decided to shut down the game. And uh, when we were looking back, like what went wrong, like what mistakes we made, uh, so we were trying to avoid uh, the same mistakes in the future, we realized that we spent too much time uh, implementing different tools for the game itself rather than focusing on the game. And uh, to, do, to avoid such mistake, myself and my co-founder, our CTO, uh, we decided to make a set of tools for ourselves initially, uh, which we will be using later in all of our future projects. Uh, that's how actually Balance started. Uh, but by the time it was more like an internal project. And uh, by surprisingly, uh, we got several clients uh, from our friends who just got intrigued of what we're building and they just wanted to try it out. We gave it to them. Uh, they really enjoyed it, G gave us uh, excellent feedback. And after that, we decided that we want to focus on balance itself, not making video games anymore. Okay, so great. And Julia, what about you? So tell us more about your career, maybe your experience in this field. Yeah, uh, I've been in the industry for the last seven years. Um, and previously, I've been working at dev to dev analytics company. Uh, so I continue my journey now at Balancey in mobile gaming. And this is the field that excites me. 
Mm, and uh, actually, when we met with Pavel and he told me about the idea of Balancy, uh, it clicked with me. It resonated a lot because uh, guys solve the problem that so many developers mentioned to me like on a daily basis. So I saw really great potential in this kind of set of tools. Yeah, live ops is like a buzzword and a lot of publishers are trying to solve the issue and trying to push uh, the events to boost uh, LTV uh, and all the metrics and considering the current state of the market. So all these uh, fluctuations and volatility when the cost per install is growing and on the contrary, ECPM is falling and we have and we face this uh, global recession. Where do we have this live, uh, live ops? Uh, what is the place? of the events, how uh, could they help us, uh, again, to boost LTV, to boost retention, uh, to push average uh, revenue per user? So what's the whole uh, situation? Yeah, it's very good that you've mentioned the current market situation, because I think that's a critical point for uh, the popularity of LiveOps today. Uh, because as we see, yeah, CPI is growing. On the other hand, monetization of the games is as challenging as it has never been before. Uh, and there are several factors contributing to that. Uh, on the one hand, we have like very big competition. There are so many similar titles in every niche. On the other hand, we also have this kind of recession trends when people spend less money. Um, also, ECPM is falling. So it's kind of really tricky to monetize the audience. Mm. The the IDFA thing also doesn't contribute uh, very much to uh, to the stability of the market. Uh, so in that sense, uh, what we are noticing nowadays is the shift um, of paradigm of studios from attracting more users to better monetizing them. So instead of attracting more and more and more users, studios start to think about how actually can we better monetize our current audience, our loyal audiences, and how we better retain those users that we are attracting. And this is where LiveOps comes in, because these are tactics and strategies uh, that help you to achieve this goal of retention and monetization. Uh, and it just proves to be successful because titles with uh, uh, LiveOps integrated, they have uh, usually like two, three times more revenue. Uh, a funny statistics that I've recently found out that in arcade games, uh, those arcade games that earn, uh, that, that have live ops, they actually can earn 30 times more. Yeah, I wanted to well, add actually, um, you started to hear live ops more often, uh, not only because it helps grow your LTV, improve retention, but also uh, there is no other option uh, for you to grow rather than using live ops. Uh, since you mentioned CPI is growing and uh, before when it was cheaper, uh, you were able to have a sustainable business uh, by acquiring more and more users and monetizing them and have a positive ROI. But now with a growing L uh, um, CPI, your ROI cannot be positive without live ops. So there are no other options. And market is changing. And if we compare, for example, 2022 and 2023, uh, how this the whole strategy of live ops has uh, changed? Uh, maybe you notice some uh, alterations. In general, I think live ops is always evolving. And what we saw 
like a couple of years ago and the tactics that we are seeing now, there is a big difference. Before, for example, like let's say five years ago, what we meant by live ops is um, just let's say the user opens the app, they get some starter pack at level two, level two, then they get maybe some special offer at level 10, then maybe a bit later, uh, they get some uh, sale every Sunday. Uh, you know, so it's kind of this hard-coded similar experience for everyone. Um, nowadays, uh, live ops is a very complex uh, set of approaches and strategies uh, that is aimed at increasing the value of the game uh, by highly personalizing gaming experiences. So mm -hmm. it's not enough just to, to give the same offer or the same event to every user. Uh, you also need to tailor it to their needs and expectations. You need to tailor pricing. You need to tailor bundle composition, uh, highlights, value proposition. In the end, we, we come up uh, with the importance of segmentation. Yeah, you need to really know your audience. You need to be able to segment it by various parameters and provide highly tailored experience. But uh, there are billions of gamers out there in the market. So how is it possible to choose these segmentations? What criteria to take into account to uh, reach this right, I would say, right personalization to bring right product to the right audience? No, nobody is uh, reaching to each person individually, of course. They segment yeah. players by some criteria. Uh, the most popular uh, criteria is uh, uh, RFM analysis, uh, which basically says uh, how often, uh, how much, and when was the last time uh, that segment paid in the game. But on the top of that, uh, you can do some additional segments, uh, for example, ad watchers, so players who like to watch a lot of ads but don't pay at all. Or maybe players who are about to churn. If you have some kind of uh, criteria uh, and some like... Uh, chance like you can calculate what is a chance that for this specific player will churn you can make segment of such players and then do something about it to avoid uh, this churning effect so for example you can uh, release a special event or make them a special offer or just send them the gift just to remind about the game uh, such strategies are being used uh, also i wanted to add, uh, add that um, juliet said correctly that before that uh, it was more like uh, hard-coded live ops so when you do a starter packs for everybody it's the same events are all the same for everybody and now what we can see and especially happens uh, with big publishers that they have a very huge dashboards when they monitor the game in real time so every hour they will be able to say what's going on in, within the game mm -hmm. and they react so so they have uh, teams who just do like uh, is to, uh, whose job is just to watch at those uh, dashboards and react immediately. So, for example, if they have events planned between uh, 1 p.m. and 3 p.m., so and they have some kind of uh, expectations in terms of revenue or maybe retention, so they will be just looking at the monitor, see what players are doing, how money are coming into the account. And uh, once our is complete, so once we're moving closer to the end of the event, they will see if the expectations were right or not. And uh, depending on the result, they will either launch something new or just keep it as it is. So it's like a never-ending story right now. You just like, it's like, like you're uh, flying in a starship, basically, where you always have to be in the control of your game. 
so they like A B testing this live ops in the real time or it's a uh, bit different? It's both actually. So uh, there are A B tests, of course, going on in real time, but only big companies can afford it because they have a lot of uh, players playing and you need this, a lot of data to be able to say which uh, of the A or, a or B works the best. Uh, but uh, before I was mostly mentioning that uh, if you launch an event, which was probably A-B tested before, um, and uh, anything can go wrong. Uh, maybe a new audience will come, maybe some technical issues will appear, uh, maybe your players will not uh, be as engaged as you expected them to be, or maybe they will become too engaged and they will start purchasing too much uh, of your offers, uh, which will... Uh, affect your game economy in a bad way so inflation might, might appear in, in your in-game resources which you don't want uh, as well mm -hmm. uh, so you need to take uh, into account a lot of uh, different parameters and that's why this such teams are watching closely at what's going on with the game right now and they are ready to react mm -hmm. clear so and if we take also uh, some publishers among your clients uh, maybe you can name if it's possible uh, some successful cases of personalization and of this Documentation uh, with some results without maybe uh, naming the publisher, but uh, the whole part and how it might lead to good results and good metrics. Uh, yeah, we actually do have cases uh, where we can name uh, ah, these okay. companies. Yeah, we can, I think, even share with you uh, some highlights from these experiments and the results that uh, they led to. Uh, so uh, Pavel is working uh, very close with um, one of our clients, Hot Siberians, and they've conducted a um, series of monetization experiments uh, with offers, with A-B tests. Uh, and uh, Pavel, do you want to share like a couple of words about what you were doing in these experiments and what, uh, what influence it had on the metrics? Yes, yes, sure. So uh, once we started working with them, uh, one of the complaints from the side was that uh, that game has a very uh, high retention. A lot of players are playing or engaged with it, but uh, a lot of them were not paying at all. So th there were some problems with monetization. Uh, what we noticed that uh, in the first experiment, we were trying to convert ad watchers actually to, to become paying customers. And uh, what we noticed that uh, they were not typical ad watchers. They were watching like uh, hundreds of ads, rewarded ads. Uh, which is very strange. It means like they're really engaged, that they really want to get this reward. So we were asking ourselves, like, why don't they just pay a dollar or two just to get the same stuff, but like save their time, basically. And uh, we, what we did, uh, we ran a series of experiments uh, for, those, for that segment of customers. Uh, we were segmenting ad watchers and... Uh, in terms of the volume, how many ads they watched before. And depending on that factor, we were basically trying to launch special offers for them. Uh, basically, it was very simple, actually, uh, in terms of math. Uh, we were giving the better deal for players who watched more ads. As simple as that. Uh, but nobody actually uh, expected it to work because they thought that those players will never convert. But surprisingly, the conversion grew dramatically. It grew by 37%. Uh, so uh, everyone was super happy because uh, we, finally we were able to convert uh, th that kind of audience. Uh, 
and uh, which also dramatically affected uh, RPPU. Uh, everybody thought that even if we convert those adventures, they will make the first purchase, uh, they will buy something for one dollar and that's it. Uh, but then uh, came the second part of uh, our solution. Uh, what we did is uh, we were also launching different uh, special offers, starter packs, depending on the segment or depending on how much money you paid before or what, uh, how much money you can afford. So uh, two, ex two of those experiments gave a very huge boost in both the conversion and the RPPO. And as a result, the revenue from, for this game was doubled in a month uh, only from those two experiments. Why it works is actually because you're providing uh, the offer and the value that is relevant for the player and you're providing it at an affordable price. So in the end, users convert and they find something that they need. This is like as simple as that. It's the same as, you know, buying a plane ticket. Yeah, you're flying the same plane, but you pay different amount of money for, for the seat because one person may be very in big urgency buying it last minute uh, and they are ready to pay like a big sum of money for this plane ticket. Another person is ready to pay small amount of money. So they are probably buying it much uh, before that. Uh, the same is in games. You uh, ideally you should provide the pricing that that players can afford. Yes. So you can see all the segments and set the segments inside balance. So you have the data. You can decide like what audience, how how much money this audience can pay, and you can test everything inside the platform just to get these results. Yes, that's right. You can build all the segments. Uh... You can launch different events, offers to those segments. And we have Visual Builder uh, where you can describe the logic of what will go on inside of the game once the game is launched. So it, it's very convenient. And uh, the best part of it is that the logic which you are building on uh, can be as complicated as you want. Uh, let, let me give you an example. So, for example, if you show an offer to a segment and you think players should purchase it, uh, but it's not a fact, of course. And then depending on the fact that if the offer was purchased or not, you can execute different logic. It's uh, where uh, Visual Builder comes in handy uh, because game designers can do this by themselves uh, without uh, updating the game, uh, without talking to the programmer. So he is limited only by his imagination and the expertise he got from, from his own work. And... Uh, he can literally do this uh, in five minutes. So whatever idea he has, in five minutes it can be live already. He can already start uh, getting traction. Mm -hmm. But uh, isn't it isn't it easier for publishers to have this platform integrated, like in-house, to have their own tool with all uh, their own da uh, data, not to share their data with some uh, external service provider? They also have some remote configurations, possible Firebase, right? So why do they need to uh, pay balance to have this mm -hmm. dashboard when they have it in-house? We, we actually talked to many big publishers and you are right, They all mo most of the big companies have uh, similar tools. But let's be realistic, they spend around five years, I would say, uh, for R&D, uh, because you never know where to start, how, how to build. And this is the biggest problem for mid-sized companies, uh, because they just don't know what to do. They just think that LiveOps is just launching events and offers. That's it. Uh, but uh, as I described you before, it's like a 
huge dashboards uh, like a starship basically which you need to control in real time and uh, while they will be building a simple solution they will miss a lot of very important parts of uh, how uh, realistically this solution should look like and uh, this is where we come in handy because uh, we are getting experience from the top uh, publishers and uh, we are recreating what they have uh, already created but in a more uh, efficient and uh, user-friendly way uh, I can also add about uh, like small and medium businesses since Pavel talked about the big publishers. So uh, if when we are talking to uh, medium companies, like fastly fast growing companies, uh, most of them, what they mean by in-house tools, they mean some spreadsheets and JSONs. And previously, uh, we've, we've been talking a lot about personalization with you, about being like very quick to reacting to what the market and what your audience gives you. Uh, and if you are operating your game with spreadsheets and JSONs, you'll just fail because you will not be able to make very highly personalized experience uh, at large scale and speed. And uh, this is why uh, this kind of studios nowadays are looking for some ready tools to quickly start uh, with LiveOps and be able to compete with this like top publishers that uh, have uh, good in-house systems in place. Yeah, so they will put a lot of resources, financial and time resources, I guess, to build up their own tool rather than buying uh, a ready-made solution. Yes, so it's pretty clear how it works. But while we were talking, uh, I was thinking about LiveOps as a monetization tool. I mean, uh, from the monetization angle. But if we look at LiveOps from UA angle, how is it possible or can we apply LiveOps to boost UA strategies maybe? If it's possible, could you please dwell on that? That's actually an interesting uh, direction to think about. I think and I hope we'll see uh, more and more successful stories in that area soon because uh, there'll be appearing tools that will help uh, to achieve this. Uh, but uh, what are the ideas that can be around this area is... Um, so basically, uh, one of your main goals now as a user acquisition manager um, is to attract users that will later retain. So, mm -hmm. okay, you can have a really crazy creative, but if it's, if the player opens the game and they don't see what they expected, they will likely to churn, they will not be retained. And that's a big, big problem that everyone faces. Uh, so with live ops and with personalization, you can achieve a better retention by providing seamless flow uh, from the campaign creative to the gaming experience. Uh, what I mean for that by that, uh, for example, uh, imagine you've had uh, you promised your player some rewards of gems or something else, some boosters in the campaign, and then your players open the game. And they get this reward, yeah. And this is only this is reward only for users that opened it from this particular campaign, from this particular creative. Or maybe in the creative you have um, some character or famous actor, uh, someone who helps you to attract this audiences to the game. But then your players open the game and they don't see this character, they don't see this actor. Uh, they may have confused feelings, so. Maybe you can provide them with some, uh, I don't know, uh, pop-up with this character. Maybe this character should greet them in the game. Maybe give them some rewards, uh, 
say a couple of dialogue lines uh, so that uh, there is no controversy in between what uh, users see in the uh, creative and what they see in the game. Yeah, considering how fake ads are popular, how they're still popular and uh, they provide and they ensure you this low CPI. But yes, the level of retention might be not as uh, good as you expect with fake ads. That's why maybe this live op strategy might be in handy. Fake, fake ads is a great example of where you could use a strategy, actually. Because you see a lot of ads with, you know, these fake mechanics, let's say, and uh, if you have necessary tools in place and have resources, what you can do is, let's say, you show a fake mechanic in the creative, but then the user opens the game and they get maybe a mini game with the same mechanic. So it's like, you know, it makes this a transfer from creative to the game experience a bit smoother. Or you integrate the mechanics into onboarding of the user. So at least they have at the very beginning something that you've that they've seen. But then the real mechanic is a bit different. And then we have all these negative reviews in the stores, but it's another uh, story and another topic to discuss, I guess. Okay, so uh, what are your further plans uh, of the product development? As everything is changing, the market is evolving. So what do you expect to have in the future? Um, I'm trying not to reveal any secrets right now. <laughs> um, Actually, uh, since we have a lot of clients already, the biggest feedback they give us is uh, when they complain that something is missing or when they just directly request that we need this specific feature. For example, recently uh, some of our clients requested localization system and we added it within the months. And now uh, they are requesting push notifications. It's already in the process. Uh, but where we see balance in the future is uh, that example with Starship. This is where we see balance and this is the direction we are we are evolving uh, right now we are making a lot of changes in the platform and hopefully in a month or two uh, we will release them and uh, it will work literally as i described so it will be a real-time platform uh, where your employees will be able to monitor what's going on right now in the game so all the revenues all players you will be seeing them right now what's going on uh, and you will have you will be able to react uh, immediately on what, whatever is happening. Mm -hmm. Will you share all these updates at any upcoming conferences, any presentations? Because I saw that Julia is quite uh, popular in terms of speaking, so a lot of presentations. So she's like everywhere. So where can I meet you personally? Grab just a cup of coffee and discuss all the strategies. Uh, yeah, uh, June and May are going to be pretty intense. Hopefully we can catch up with you maybe at some events. We're thinking uh, to visit uh, Nordic Game, um, White Knight, Istanbul, um, Deb Gum and Vilnius, where we will have uh, a lecture and we will actually share some case studies uh, with screenshots, with some secret tactics that our clients have used to grow metrics. Um, and of course, then Gamescom in, in August. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, uh, we are coming to White Nights. So you will meet my colleagues there for sure. So I don't have any questions. If you have any comments to add, into our conversation. I think, yeah, I think we've covered yeah. most of the topics and uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. Really like very sweet and insightful conversation, hopefully for, for the listeners of this podcast. 
Yes, thank you for finding the time in your intense agenda. <laughs> we will follow all the updates coming from Balancey. So for the listeners, just uh, follow Balancey, uh, official site of Balancey and LinkedIn page for all the updates and poloptica.com not to miss the next episodes with other great experts. So thank you one more time. Keep in touch then. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Ksenia. To find out more about Aptica and its products, please follow the website aptica.com. Do not miss the next episodes by following us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or any other major platforms. Thank you for listening.